Hey everybody, Frank Finance here. Hope you're having a wonderful day. The stock market has been in a little bit of a bumpy road over the last month or two. And I wanna talk about some of the key things that are happening right now, like inflation, rate heights, the Russian-Ukraine uh, situation, the pandemic, and capital allocation moving forward in a uh, world of uncertainty. Now, first off with inflation, this is something that is going has a lot of investors scared. So where am I going to invest my money to make up the 7%, 8% that inflation? And is inflation going to continue to run wild? Because cash right now basically isn't making anything and you're effectively losing close to 7% as compared to year over year. So if you didn't make 7%, you basically lost money. So with all that being said, what is going to happen with inflation moving forward? And in my opinion, it's probably going to remain the same, at least in the short term, and that's my opinion. Now, in order to address this, the Fed has come out and said that they're going to start increasing interest rates have been historically, historically low still. And it's been like that for probably 10, close to a decade now. So there's really two factors as to why we're seeing this high inflation. There's the supply and there's the demand side. So first with demand, over the course of the pandemic, there were several um, insertions of lots of cash into the US market. And so basically they flooded the market with all this excess capital and consumers started to spend it. And also at the same time on the supply side, we had producers of goods and commodities and services almost in some in some cases completely stop production of whatever they were making and in that case it takes time to ramp back up but in this case the producers and i'll talk to oil specifically um it's one good example is uh, producers across the board have already come out and said that they're going to keep production flat for the remainder of 2022 so effectively a rate hike in this stance is not going to change anything from an oil production perspective. In fact, it's probably going to make it worse because it makes financing, um, it, you know, if you wanted to drill a new well, it makes it more expensive to do so, making it less economical to do so. Now, prices are high, but altogether, as we look at oil, producers don't have any incentive to go out and produce more oil right now. They, and in fact, it's a hedge against what happens if we see in something like another um, you know, shutdown, right? Now, on other goods, let's talk about semiconductors. It's another hot topic, right? We've seen uh, you know, producers of lots of commodity, I mean, I'm gonna say commodities, cars, you could say, uh, you know, all kinds of electronic devices, over the course of the pandemic, slowed down production on their devices and their vehicles and all that good stuff. And so over, they're trying to ramp up production now, but the folks that were, you know, providing the raw materials and semiconductors being one of them, um, they slowed down their production on those devices. And now they're in a situation where they can't make enough. And you see all these uh, semiconductor guys trying to go out, increase their production, but guess what? It's just going to take time to ramp that up. And again, a, a, an increase in, in um, interest rates is only going to affect real. I mean, in the short term, it's only going to affect the demand side. In fact, it's really more hurting on the supply side. Um, for example, like Intel goes out and 
spends $20 billion, right? In a world to, you know, a year from now, if they're spending um, another extra percentage on $20 billion to finance money, not, that's not what's happening, but just, you know, theoretically, it's more expensive to go out there and get more, you know, basically produce more. So in, in essence, it helps with the demand side and slowing down the hotness of, of people being able to go out and buy. So where we could see this actually benefiting some is on the real estate market. So if you go out to real estate, you can see that there, you know, it has run up quite a, quite a lot over the last year and a half, really two years. Um, real estate has just been red hot. Um, and even before that, it was still doing very, very well. And we're, you know, we're in an environment where interest rates were as low as two and a half. Some people are getting 2.1, very, very low interest rates. Um, and so money was definitely cheap. Compare that to five years ago where interest rates were at 4%, 6%. I mean, maybe 6% is too high, but 4% definitely realistic. And we're in a situation where, you know, you know, basically people are being able to finance um, and basically bidding it up because money was so cheap. You could buy a house for, you know, 50% more and still pay the same on a monthly basis just because the interest rates were lower. Yeah, you pay $200,000 more, but your interest payments is, or your, your payments are the same. It doesn't, it, it, it might not make sense, but that's basically effectively what has happened. The lowering of interest rates has, in my opinion, allowed um, housing to increase substantially. So what happens when interest rates go uh, currently around four from I think 3% this time last year? Um, what happens when interest rates go up to four and a half, five percent? I believe some of the mortgage companies are starting to, and that's why we're at four percent right now, is because they're starting to look ahead at what the Fed is going to do with moving rate hikes. But the real estate market is going to be interesting. We also have a supply issue in the real estate market where there's not enough houses for the number of buyers. And the number of buyers have these really great rates. You know, there's so many people who can afford it at low interest rates. Um, what happens to the number of people being able the demand side um, and what happens to the supply side? Um, I think in the real estate market, rate hikes are going to more affect the demand side than they will supply. Obviously, things get a little bit more expensive on the supply side as well, but relatively um, I think there's more price sensitivity on the demand side in the real estate market more so than on the supply side. So it is going to be interesting how that affects that. But when it comes to other commodities like, you know, milk, I mean, milk or bread or all these other like basket items, I don't think we've seen inflation run as hot. And my main point on that is there's not a lot that interest rates are going to affect on you know, some of these more common items. I think these are, you're seeing more regular inflationary numbers around some of these common commodities. So, and and again, car, car market, for example, was affected by the semiconductor market. And so some of these supply chain issues are causing demand, demand and supply imbalances, which look like inflation, in my opinion. Now, that doesn't mean inflation isn't a thing. It clearly has, I mean, clearly is happening. It's, it's undisputable. But the cause is whether it's um, something that's out of control and, and something that the Fed can actually control. 
And that is something that I'm actually on the fence about. Can the Fed actually control this? And I'm, and I'm leaning towards the side of a lot of this is out of their control. It's really on can suppliers catch up and will they catch up and how can we cool off demand? And some of these situations in those first two with oil um, and uh, semiconductors, what is interest rates really going to do to affect that supply side? And I don't think they're going to affect the supply side. They're really all they're going to do is effectively in increase interest rates and those producers are trying as much as they can. I mean, on the semiconductor side, they're trying as much as they're they can. And on the oil side, it's not gonna be a motivation to go out and drill for more oil. It's not. So those are some of the thoughts I have on um, inflation and rate hikes. Now, moving on into Russia and Ukraine, this is another big thing that's effectively having quite a big up and down, up and down, wishy-washy over the last week and a half. And Ukraine, the, the news on Ukraine has been going on for probably two or three weeks now. Um, and, and honestly, I don't have a lot of political opinion on this. Honestly, I really don't care much for it at all. The only reason why I mention it is because it appears to be something that's causing a lot of concern. Now, if there is war, more than likely we're going to see a drop in the market in the short term, maybe short to medium term, honestly. And I, and I think where the uncertainty is in this is what exactly is NATO and their allies going to do if Russia does invade? I think um, if it's just a economic sanction, they put sanctions on Russia, um, this shouldn't be that big of a deal for the market uh, overall, um, right? I think as long as we get certainties that there's not going to be actual physical um, conflict, um, at least on the NATO side, obviously maybe Ukraine is going to fight Russia, um, possibly if, if they do invade. I mean, well, I don't think possibly they will based off of what I've seen. Um, but the point is, is that if NATO and the United States, I'm gonna spe talk specifically to the United States, if the United States is in physical, con you know, physical conflict with Russia, I think that's a game changer, right? That's a different kind of war. Um, and it's something that I think is going to cause lots and lots of fear in the market. And that would cause, in my opinion, a pretty major sell-off if we had physical conflict. Do I think that's likely? I think it's, I mean, honestly, I think it would be silly if we did, because um, I honestly don't, personally don't really care what happens to Ukraine. Um, I think it's more of a political consideration on what happens to Ukraine. For example, I think one of the main things that uh, maybe Russia is wanting to fight off here is that um, Russia's, one of their major exports is oil and gas outside of the country to the European countries in the area. Now. Um, my understanding is that Ukraine has been trying to um, do some similar things and basically reroute energy through Ukraine and kind of cut off Russia from that trade, which would have a major impact to Russia's economy in the long term. Now, that's not a short term play, but if Russia's thinking in advance, it could cause um, that, you know, this could be a reason why they're doing it. Does it justify it? Probably not. But the point is, is it's not, it, you know, I, I don't, I don't get to control that. It's not, it's not my decision. Right. So the, the main thing I want to drive home here is 
if we do see, um, depending on the type of conflict, if it's just economic sanctions, this should be a short to a medium term thing. If we see there's escalating tensions, and, and this is where I get a little frustrated, is I wish we had a, a little bit more stronger direction on what the U.S.'s direction would be if there was a um, invasion of Ukraine. I think right now they're keeping it very, very, well, you know, we'll do this, we'll do that. Um, and they back off statements and they say them and then they back them off again. I think that's, again, this is a little bit political here, but the point is, is the markets, if the markets are uncertain as to what our action is moving forward, you're going to see instability in the markets in the short term, trying to weigh in and factor what the risks are moving forward. So again, if you, as an investor, you're going to want to pay attention to what type of conflict happens, if any at all, right? So if Russia doesn't invade at all, things should stay the same. If Russia invades, we're going to see a drop in the short to medium term. And if there's physical contact, I think there's going to be a big drop because there'd be a lot of uncertainty of what a war with Russia would look like. Next, I want to briefly talk a little bit about the pandemic as it was a big factor in the last year and a half, two years. So with the pandemic, it looks like we're moving into the state of living with the virus moving forward. It seems like even some of the more liberal and more cautious states are starting to open up and live with the fact that this thing is not going away, um, at least for now. So with all that being said, it doesn't look like shutdowns or we're going to have any economic concerns around COVID-19 in the, you know, in the future. Um, however, if something does come out that is quite um, either, I don't think even contagious is going to cause a shutdown, it would have to be um, more deadly, I think would be the thing that would cause the most fear. And, and specifically, and this is just an opinion here, and even with COVID-19, um, even if we did see another uh, strain come out, there is going to, there's a lot of fatigue that's coming out with COVID-19. So I think the reaction of um, even, you know, consumers from people going to work, all that stuff, it's going to be dampened. Like the reaction from the shock factor is starting to go away. And so people are starting to say, okay, we're going to live with this and we're going to move forward with, with, with the risk moving forward. And that's appears to be even what, um, you know, CDC, liberal states, more cautious states, whatever you want to call it, um, are starting to move towards. And so I expect that, I don't, I don't expect us to revert back um, into anything drastic like we saw in early to late 2020. So next I want to talk a little bit about capital allocation in a world of uncertainty. So with inflation, with rate hikes, with Russia, Ukraine, um, these things are a little uncertain on how they're going to play out moving forward and how the market will react. And so with that being said, my personal capital allocation, I have about 25% cash right now um, in my brokerage account. The other accounts are fully invested because they are long-term buy and hold, and I don't touch those and I don't sell out of them, you know, for, um, you know, these, these, I mean, honestly, I'm going to call them short-term um, news and uh, things, right? Now, my brokerage account is a little bit different and I treat it differently and I have to you know, make the distinction between two types of accounts, right? The brokerage is trying to take advantage of things that I think I can see or have an advantage on in the market. But I also like to have an investment account that I don't have to think about. I leave it there, I sit there, it's consistent and my strategy never changes. 
and the strategy and that strategy has been proven over time and has been a proven winner but in my brokerage account i like to go ahead and try to hedge a little bit against what i think may or may or may not happen in the market right so with that being said this is just personally what i'm doing i may bring up my cash balance a little bit higher as we get closer to the march um, rate hikes from the from the fed and what they plan or plan on to doing I think if we do see them decide to, um, you know, increase the amount of rates, the rate hikes they're going to do over the course of 2022, we could see the market dip a little bit. Again, with Russia and Ukraine, if they do invade, I think we're going to see a dip on that. Um, and then again, the type of war we go with Russia, even though I think a physical con physical conflict with Russia is very, very low probability, less than 5%. I mean, I mean that's even seems high to me. Um, or in my mind, it just seems would be ridiculous if we did. Um, point is, is that I, I, you know, I do think some cash uh, allocation is is appropriate at this point. But again, not financial advice, not um, not a way to manage your money. Um, again, make sure you're doing your due diligence. Make sure it's appropriate for your financial circumstances. If you like this type of content, please consider subscribing. If you do videos on personal finance, investing, and stock analysis, my name is Frank. Frank Finance. Out.